Hello. Welcome to Syracuse Speaks, The View from the AHL, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman. Let's get started. Syracuse Crunch's season got underway last weekend at Cleveland, and then their home opener, as of the recording of this episode on October 23rd, 2022, was last night. What do we know about this team so far? I only had the opportunity to watch one of these games. I watched last night's home opener, obviously. It was my 18th home opener in my, well, 17th, because I suppose we can't count the home opener during the weird season of 2020-21, but it was my 17th home opener in fan history. The first season I started watching the team, I wasn't into it until midway through the season, but still, my 19th season as a fan is here, and I can say with, I think, a fair amount of confidence at this point in time that one of the things I noticed about this year's edition of the Syracuse Crunch is that they are fast. This team looked very speedy last night, and the majority of the people that I saw on Twitter were pretty much in agreement that this is the most cohesive chemistry-laden beginning-of-the-season team that we have seen, especially under Coach Ben Grew, who, as we have talked about many, many times on this podcast, his team seemed to take a little bit of time to buy into his program and to gel. For whatever reason, this edition of this team really seems to be doing that very quickly, which is fantastic news. Now, on the unfortunate side of things, Syracuse's record doesn't exactly reflect this gelling yet. However, you can't say that this team hasn't tried. So far this season, Syracuse has played Cleveland twice and Rochester twice. In those four games, Syracuse went to overtime twice against Cleveland and almost made it to overtime Friday, October 21st, against Rochester. Rochester scored with like a buzzer beater. I think there was like three seconds left or something crazy. So Syracuse fought and battled hard through all of those games. And then in front of an almost sold-out home crowd on October 22nd, they steamrolled Rochester 6-2. to Syracuse was clearly feeling the home cooking Saturday night. Those back-to-backs are kind of unpredictable, especially when it's a home-and-home situation. The two games in Cleveland the weekend of Friday, October 14th and 15th are a little bit of a different situation just because you're playing the same team twice in their arena. So the feel is a little bit different than when you play a team in their arena and then immediately turn around and play them at home in your own arena the following night. A little bit of a different feel. The fans are different. The buildings are different. So Syracuse was clearly ready to come out for their home opener and really show the fans, some of whom probably haven't been in that building since the you know, winter of 2020, what this team was all about. And I have to say that from top to bottom, that's exactly what they did. Starting from the beginning of the night, the crunch Uh, When I had Jim Sorosi on my podcast a couple weeks ago, he previewed the fact that the home opener walkout, which is something that the Crunch has done for a long time now, where they honor or bring attention to certain people or community organizations with having their members either walk out with the players or be introduced on the scoreboard, depending on, you know, pandemic protocols and all of those kinds of things during the opening team introductions. So Jim had hinted 
a couple of weeks ago that this was going to be a little bit different. And when the team released information about opening night, we found out that what he meant by that was that this year the team was going to bring attention to all of the youth hockey players and organizations in the area. And those youngsters were going to get to come out with the future stars of tomorrow. And one of the biggest things that was very obvious from the get-go Saturday night was that Syracuse, in its 10th year of their affiliation with the Tampa Bay Lightning, an affiliation that was just extended a few weeks ago, right before the season started for another five years, was really emphasizing that relationship between Tampa and Syracuse and how fruitful it has been for both organizations, but mostly for the Lightning, which is something that the organization is rightfully proud of. So as the team is being introduced, as things are getting started, there was a very lengthy hype video, right, that started out the evening. And this hype video featured all of the players that have been impactful for the Lightning in the championships that they have had since the Syracuse affiliation started, and who have really brought the team in Tampa to the heights that it has seen. And then, of course, they asked the question, you know, who's next? And as you look at Syracuse's roster this year, it's young. It's full of a lot of big names, potential big names, and prospects that could absolutely make their mark in the Lightning, just like guys like Ross Colton and Yanni Gord and Andre Palat and Alex Kalorn, who were some of the names that were featured during that hype video Saturday night. Those were the the, the ones that kept popping up for good reason. So, you know, this relationship has been very fruitful. So to frame that opening intro around this idea that, you know, we have all of these youth hockey players in this area that are part of school organizations, that play peewee, that are part of travel teams, that do all of these things, and they get to come out and be introduced along with the potential Stanley Cup winners of tomorrow. It was really, really cool. And the other thing that was really, really cool about the evening was that both of Gabriel Dumont's children and both of PC Labrie's kids were featured in these introductions as well. And I think that for an AHL fan that really tends to emphasize the fact that the American Hockey League is a community league. Yes, these guys are pro hockey players. Yes, this is pro hockey. This is the second highest level of hockey in North America, in fact. But these guys live in the communities that they play in. They value the communities that they play in, and they spend a lot of time, much more so than their NHL counterparts, in the AHL communities that they live and play in. Especially these guys like Gabriel Dumont, like PC Labrie, like Daniel Walcott, and even like Mike Angelitis when he played here, and now Coach Grew, who we recently learned bought a house in the Syracuse area. These guys who are here in these AHL cities for multiple seasons really become a part of the fabric of these cities and of these communities. I feel like everybody in Syracuse probably knows Daniel Walcott. I feel like Wally is very well known around the city and around the different communities. I know for a fact that he does way more volunteer work behind the scenes than he will let the team advertise. So he's really well known in the Syracuse area. 
These guys, their kids go to school around here. Their families live around here. We've had multiple players in the past talk about their kids growing up in the Syracuse area and their kids being born in Syracuse and how those connections last throughout the years. So, like, these connections to these families of the players and their children are also really important to emphasize. I thought it was really classy that the team chose to do that, and it was really neat seeing those kids, especially the ones who are playing for local teams, be introduced the way that they were. It was a really touching evening, and it was a great way to kick everything off. I thought the team was very fast Saturday night. I was very impressed from the start. Coach Grew is someone who really goes with playing with pace. That's always his kind of famous tagline. You know, he wants his players to play with pace. I really felt like the team from the get-go did that Saturday night. The first period was had long stretches without whistles. These guys were fast hitting. They went out. They had a game plan. They executed it. The second period was a little bit more sloppy, uh, mostly because the ice at the uh, War Memorial was not enjoying the heat that the city of Syracuse experienced on Saturday. The rest of us really enjoyed a beautiful fall day, but the ice was very unhappy. And that was a little frustrating because you could really see how the ice conditions was slowing the team down and getting them away from their game a little bit. They weren't able to execute as cleanly. They weren't able to stay out of the box as much. They were making some mistakes that I think could be attributed to the difference in ice conditions. But the third period was much more like the first. The building, I think they turned the uh, cold air up a little bit for that third period. Things seemed to be solidifying a little bit better. And the team really seemed to clicking. In all four games, and I've seen this mentioned on social media as well by several people, this team never said die. They very much showed a lot of tenacity and stick to that I think have been characteristic of the Lightning teams as a whole, but maybe in the past couple of years with the way momentums have been interrupted because of COVID and you have new organizations being partnered and so weird players coming in. I think that some of this has sort of not been as evident over especially the past two to three seasons. But last night and throughout all of these four games, as you think about, you know, pushing it to overtime and almost pushing it to overtime and to a shootout and these kinds of things, you know, I think that it's important to note that this team really showed a lot of tenacity and it's but it was good to see that back. A couple of players that stuck out. This really isn't hard. Uh, Felix Robert, absolutely the hero of the night. He has made a huge impression on Crunch fans pretty much right from the get-go. Uh, some crunchables from the team. He was the first player since Nikita Kucherov to score a hat trick in the team's opener. That, of course, happened during Kucherov's uh, very short stay in Syracuse. I believe he was here for part of October and some of November, and then that was the last time Crunch fans saw him in a Syracuse uniform. So 
you know, Robert definitely made an impression right off the bat, so much so that the AHL, as of this morning, released that their three stars of the night, which is something that they have started to do, Robert was their number one star of the night for Saturday. So that's kind of cool. It was his first career AHL hat trick. It was the first time fans really got to see him play at home. And it was a really good night for him. And he was very, very impressive. Another person who was really great out there was Walcott. He definitely embraces playing in front of the Syracuse crowd. There is absolutely a reason why he has chosen to buy a home in this community. It has truly adopted him as a member of their own. And so Saturday night, he recorded his first career three-point game, and he also played in his 315th crunch game, which ties him for the second most in franchise history with Jeremy Reich, who was someone who played for Syracuse uh, during the early 2000s, 2000 to 2005. So Walcott will most certainly surpass that total, and the only player standing in front of Walcott's well-earned place, uh, first place in the all-time player list for games played for the Crunch, is Brad Moran, who has 334 games between 2000 and 2005. My guess is Walcott will surpass that this season. Obviously, there's you know it's less than 20 games separating those two totals, so it's not going to be hard for him to do that. And it is a well-deserved, you know, notch in his hat, feather in his cap, or however you want to say it, that he will will forever be in the crunch history books. You know, for an AHL team to have, especially now, one of the things I'm noticing as I'm looking at the all-time player list, a lot of the players that are in the top, you know, let's say 10 spots are not recent players, Um, not all of them. So you have Brad Moran, 334 games, early 2000s. Jeremy Reich, 315 games, early 2000s. Mark Watton, 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 whatever, 310 games, uh, late 90s. Chad Allen, late 90s, 282 games. You do have Lightning players like Ben Thomas, Mike Angelidis, uh, Matt Taramina is up there too, but then you also have other Columbus guys like Trevor Frischman and Joe Matsko. Uh, Picard, who scored the first goal in outdoor game history for Syracuse way back in 2010 when that happened. So like you have a mix of guys, but a lot of them are not from recent history because organizations, especially with the veteran players, tend to change them out quite a bit. So this is really an achievement that he has made such an impression on the Lightning organization, on the Syracuse organization, and on the Syracuse community. He deserves to have that spot, and it will be exciting for him to get there. So those were the players that, for obvious reasons, stuck out to me. But someone else, I was looking at the... Uh, top point getters for the league so far this season. And one of the reasons I was doing that is because Robert tops it right now with nine points in four games for Syracuse, so not just Saturday night. So his overall 
first couple of weeks with the crunch have been phenomenal. He tops the league in points. He has five goals, four assists, and four games played for Syracuse. He is also first in goals in the league, and he is far further down in assists. I can't even find him. He has disappeared. But, you know, that's that's a pretty impressive debut for a younger player. Another player that has been very quietly having a really good start to his season is Darren Radish. The defenseman has seven points, good for sixth in the league currently in four games, two goals, five assists. He's having a really good season so far, and that's exciting. He is someone that the league, or I'm sorry, that the organization chose to keep around. You know, they let guys like Freddie Clayson go, Trevor Carrick has come in, but Darren Radish has continued to stay in the organization, and that's really exciting to see him have such a great start to his season. Barry Boulay has seven assists over four games, good for eighth in the league as far as points go. He leads the league in assists so far. Again, there are some players, despite Syracuse's record, that are having a really good start to their season. So it's exciting, I think, to see this level of cohesiveness so soon. It's not exactly something we're used to, right? Because... Although the results at the end of the season generally speak for themselves, the past, well, you know, since 2016, seasons tend to build very slowly. I think that this is a good indication that we can expect some exciting things this upcoming season. to a weird scheduling quirk simply on my end, I actually need to preview the next three weeks of games for you all. The next Syracuse Speaks episode as of right now is slated to come out on November 13th. I appreciate your understanding as I try to navigate certification exams and helping my mom out with things and and my schedule. It's a little bit more hectic this year. So the next couple of weeks for Syracuse are going to be interesting. The Crunch starts off their week next week with a visit to, well, I guess this upcoming week, with a visit to Toronto. Then they welcome Toronto two days later back to the War Memorial. So we have Wednesday, October 26th at Toronto, Friday, October 28th in Syracuse welcoming Toronto. Then Cleveland comes into town on Saturday, October 29th. That will end the Crunch's October And then they look forward to November, where Syracuse spends a little bit of time away, and it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for the Crunch as they navigate their second longish road trip of the season. Syracuse started their season away in Cleveland. They will visit Charlotte on Friday, November 4th, and Saturday, November 5th for their second long road trip of the season. In between the end of October and that road trip to Charlotte, Syracuse will also visit Rochester because, you know, we, we just can't seem to get out of New York State without having those, without visiting Rochester or Utica. So that is 
pretty much what the Crunch's first week of November is going to look like. It's going to be a busy week that's filled with a lot of travel. So, you know, that's going to be a very interesting test for Syracuse, especially as they're coming off a first couple of weeks where they're really looking pretty good. Now, Charlotte currently leads the Atlantic Division with a perfect 4-0 record so far this season. So that'll be a really good test for this team as they get out of Syracuse for a little while again, maybe have some bonding time together, and look to play what should be a couple exciting games down south. On Wednesday, November 9th, Syracuse will welcome Rochester to town. On Friday, November 11th, Syracuse will welcome Belleville to town. And on Saturday, November 12th, the Utica Comets make their first appearance in Crunchland in Syracuse for this season. That is the slate that the Crunch is currently looking at. There's some really important North Division games that are in there with those couple of Rochester games, Belleville, Utica, but there's also that away period that's going to be a really interesting test for the Crunch. Some of the promotional things that are coming up for the team The organization's Pink in the Rink night is going to be Friday, October 28th, that game against Toronto, and that is also the magnet schedule giveaway. So if you're someone like me who really enjoys having those convenient magnet schedules on their fridge, that is the game to go to. The Pink in the Rink night is also always a really touching evening as Syracuse looks to honor uh, breast cancer survivors. So it's, prevented, it's presented by Uptake, Upstate Cancer Center. The mammogram bus will be outside of the War Memorial pretty much all afternoon that day as well to provide that type of service for the community. It's a really, really good night that really touches a lot of people, both in the organization, on the ice, and as well as in the stands. So that's always a really touching evening to attend. The team's Halloween Spooktacular and Drawstring Bag Giveaway will be Saturday, October 29th, the last game that the team plays at home before Halloween. So I'm sure pl- te- uh, I'm sure that the uh, organization will invite kids to come in costume, and it's kind of neat that they're giving away a drawstring bra- bag. Maybe kids can take that trick-or-treating, so that's kind of cool. And then On November 11th, which is Veterans Day, observed here in the United States, their Military Appreciation Night will happen, which is always also a really good night to attend. And on Saturday, November 12th, is, I believe, one of their newer promotions for this upcoming season, Shine a Light on Lung Cancer Night. The team has always done a lot with cancer you know, they have the Pink in the Rink, the Hockey Fights Cancer game that's later on, but it's interesting that the team is choosing to highlight very specific cancers as well to bring awareness and raise funds for Upstate Cancer Center and these organizations that really work with the community on the cancers that affect the majority of people. So Shine a Light on Lung Cancer Night will be Saturday, November 12th. Those are the fun nights that are coming up in the Crunches schedule, and it's always nice to see those promotions continue from year to year. (laughs) 
I think that will do it for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm open to interactions and feedback, so please feel free to get in touch with me over Twitter. My hockey Twitter is FPHCrunch, F-P-H-C-R-U-N-C-H, and my personal Twitter is Alovimo, A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O. My personal Twitter is protected, but if you want to send me a follow request and I can see that you're a hockey person, I would be more than happy to go ahead and add you over there. Before we go, I'd also like to thank Purple Planet Music and Kevin McLeod for providing the royalty-free music heard in this episode. Keep taking care of each other out there in Crunchland, and I will see you next time. 